Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. Guy here. You're listening to an audio broadcast of Market Call. That's MRKT Call. It's a daily video series I do with Dan Nathan every Monday through Thursday live at 1 p.m. Eastern. We break down the big market-moving headlines and offer trade ideas. Each week, we're joined by our friends Carter Worth of Worth Charting and Liz Young, that's EY of SoFi, for their investment analysis. So check it out. And if you like it, follow at Market Call on on Twitter and subscribe to Risk Reversal Media's YouTube page so you never miss an episode. It's 1 p.m. on the East Coast. I'm Guy Adami. That's the man in black, John. I mean, Dan Nathan. I was going to say Johnny Cash. I went to the Johnny Cash Museum in Nashville a couple of years ago in the spring. Fascinating, but nobody's here for that. Nope. Uh, in just a few brief minutes, literally, Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting will be joining us. Today's market call is brought to you by our sponsors, CME Group, Dan, where risk meets opportunity. Of course, FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. Before we get into it, uh, on a rain-soaked MetLife field last night, as somebody predicted on the Twitter, you should go to Darren Rovell's account and check that out. Aaron Rodgers' uh, season is over, and potentially, I hate to say it, but at his age, and Achilles is a devastating injury, so I, I wish no ill will. But on a night where Vinny Testaverde was back, one of the captains to do the coin flip before the game, the man who suffered the same injury in the first game of the season, I think it was 1999, they say lightning doesn't strike twice, Dan Nathan, in the same place. Well, apparently it did last night at the Meadowlands. How yeah, are you? That, that was crazy. Um, uh, and a decent result for the Jets, despite well, that. Well, yes, yes. Let yes. me ask you this question. I know yeah. you're not a huge Jet fan. You're a Bears of Chicago fan, if memory serves. But would you, as a Jet fan, would you rather than got smoked last night and Aaron Rodgers come out of the game unscathed or – win the game and lose Rodgers for the season. I ask you that. Yeah, I'd say the the former there. Exactly. That's my, that, that's my two cents. Um, and again, we hope Aaron Rodgers is okay. What a bummer, though, for New York sports fans, especially Jets fans. Um, Guy, you know, it's funny because today is Tuesday. This is a CME day where risk meets opportunity, as you like to say quite frequently. And it's good to be back because we did market call yesterday on Sirius XM radio. We do that um, at noon on Mondays, and that's a lot of fun. But it's also fun to get our main man Carter back here, look at the charts. You know what I mean? This is a visual medium, and it works really well as we do it this way, guys. Um, let's talk a little bit. I mean, the big story in the market today and our friend Doug highlighted this. We already had this on our rundown. We're going to start with this. Is like when money has moved out of tech, it is moving into energy and it's been uh -huh. moving into financials. That's been the trade of this year, despite the massive, uh, massive outperformance of tech 
for the better part of this year. But to see a stock like Oracle that we talked about yesterday on Market Call on SiriusXM Business Channel 132 to be down 12.5% guy in one fell swoop. This is a stock that was making a new all-time high briefly yesterday or testing the prior all-time high. To break that uptrend that's been in place, you see that rising 150-day moving average, which is basically parallel to that uptrend on high expectations and slower than expected cloud growth. I mean, come on, man. I mean, that's this has got to be something. This is what do you like to say? Like, you want to footnote this here? You want to bookmark it? You I do. I, I definitely do. Let me say this. I'm, and full disclosure, you know, I have been bullish in Oracle <laughs> for quite some time. And I actually thought there was a pretty good chance that the quarter would be good enough where the stock would continue that trajectory higher. That was wrong. But let's just sort of break it down for a second. The stock has had a ridiculous run. It's probably doubled since the fall of last year, right? So, I mean, that is, for a name like Oracle, names those stocks don't move that way, number one. But number two, when you go through their release, I think it's north of 75% of their earnings now will be in businesses that have visibility, that have recurring uh, recurring profits, right? Recurring revenues. Yep. That visibility typically is associated with a higher multiple of uh, people. The market rewards that kind of visibility. And at 18 and a half, 19 times next year's numbers, I don't think a market multiple is worthy. I think they should be higher than a market multiple. That's just me. So if you're paying through the nose for names like NVIDIA and a lot of these hopium stocks, which I get it, you know, there is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Oracle is telling you that they have that visibility. They have that recurring revenue. I think they should be rewarded for it. Obviously, today they're not. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, um, that semis uh, are acting okay today, but it's really cloud names. It's it's software names related to kind of AI that are kind of getting hit here. So mm-hmm. I think that's interesting that semis are trading okay. If we look at the NASDAQ 100 futures guy, and we know that obviously, you know, those top six, seven names make up 40, 45% of the weight of that. I mean, this thing is just still a monster. I mean, it's not even testing, you know, on a day that you see a large component like Oracle down double digits percent this thing's not even like like testing the uptrend you know it looks like it wants to party a little bit here so again i think it's interesting when you have high expectations a stock like oracle and we know that adobe reports later on the week so that is going to be a really interesting one if the nasdaq in general shrugs off of 40 percent on the year the nasdaq 100 shrugs off a reaction like this to a name like Oracle, mm-hmm. you got to say to yourself, new highs are not so far in the offing, especially if this is kind of a one-off thing. So I, I don't know, thought there. On no, the very, listen, very impressive. You're right. This uptrend's been intact the entire year since effectively January. I mean, and, and it's been, listen, we've only really tested the uptrend once or twice over the course of the last eight or nine months. And the, the higher we go, the farther we get away from the moving average. The moving average is just clearly sloping higher. There's no denying that. But to answer your question, and you said it's a monster, reminds me of John Malkovich in a great movie, Rounders, when he yelled at Matt Damon, a monster hand, how do you throw that down? Sometimes if you think you have a monster hand, the, mar- the market can beat you. And I think Matt Damon threw down a huge hand because John Malkovich had him beaten. He just knew it in his bones. I think right now we we think we have this monster hand in the form of the NASDAQ, but I think the market's going to have a speed on the other end. I don't know what's going to be the catalyst for it personally, and we're going to get into it later in this show. I think it's going to come in the form of higher rates. Well, first of all, 
you know, the monster. How did he know? He knew it from the monster. Order. Well, that's it. well. I mean, that's right. Oh, Everybody's got to tell. Sorry so. about the spoilers. Sorry you you shouldn't spoilers. do that because there are a lot of people that were going to go to Blockbuster this weekend and yeah. rent rounders, and you screwed it up for them. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Um, uh, before we we get to Carter, let's look at Apple really quickly because we know that the you know their iPhone event is going on right now, and and whether we. Th- Think it's ridiculous or not we talked a little bit about it yesterday we talked about it on fast money your face was was fairly priceless when i came to you and said the big innovation in the iphone is going to be your favorite port the USB-C port um i think you said well that is of course my favorite port yeah um, well, can, hold on we've never done this before on on market call so keep going for a second i'm going to be right back because i'm going to show you something hold on don't okay. i'm going to show you my favorite port uh-oh. Oh, he's going over to his 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 uh, liquor cabinet there, people. I think I know what's going on here. You know, it's funny. When you look at this Apple chart, you could have drawn two different uptrends, the one that, that kind of tracked the performance all year until it broke down, or you could draw a little line to where it is right now, which is also that 200-day moving average, or the 150-day moving average. There's Guy's favorite port. That, that, the Taylor's 1977 wow. vintage port. That ain't no joke, people. So... I mean, Apple can give you all the friggin' ports they want. Okay. That's the port you want to buy. Sorry if, about if that. Dan. If these guys want to pull up a live chart on Apple, a one year on, on the uh, on the fact set here, it, it'll be interesting. If you want to just kind of do a different uptrend, the one that's very steep mm-hmm. there, right? Let's draw that one. And and to me, what's most important about that is if we draw that is that we broke it. Okay. And it was a violent break. Okay. And then we had that bounce back. We got towards that 150 day. We didn't filled, filled in the gap. Yeah. And now here we go. It did. And then it got rejected at the uptrend too. So if you can just kind of visualize that a little bit. So again, guy, the fact that the stock is down a percent and a half ish or something like that heading into the event, I got to tell you, unless there's any big surprise and I'd be really shocked. Look at how, look at how good these guys are on these charts. They're, they're, these they're are no great joke. Charts. I don't know if that's Rafis or Jacob or AD. There, I think, a little bit. I think we put a little pressure on. Oh, look at that. Look at that. I mean, yeah. and so, you know, filled in that gap, rejected. Um, so talk to me about your expectations here. Do you think that Apple could catch ahead of steam here a little bit? Because if people are not wowed by the products that they introduce, then it goes back to the narrative that really knocked this stock down a week and a half ago, which is really Chinese, you know, restrictions yeah. on the use of iPhones by government workers. A hundred percent. You know, listen, are they going to wow people? with? I have no idea. I mean, people, for whatever reason, Apple could come out with like a, a pocket protector and they're Apple enthusiasts that would think it's the greatest pocket protector of all time. I just don't, personally, I don't get it. But to answer your question, no, I don't think they're going to wow anybody. But the bigger story is what you just said, what's going on in China. And that was the first sort of salvo, the first sort of shot across the bow. But if you think that's the first and only, I think you're mistaken. I think there's more to come. We have been talking about the potential for this by me incorrectly for years, saying that if China really wants to sort of dig in, the poster child for that is going to be Apple. Well, they did it last week or week and a half or so ago, but I think there's more to come. On top of that, Dan, when Apple was a when Apple was a growth company a few years ago, it traded at a 12 multiple, it traded at a val, it traded at a basically a value company valuation. Now that it's a value company, it's trading at a growth valuation. It makes zero sense. You have three quarters in a row of declining revenue and declining earnings. By the way margins will contract as well. So I don't know what to tell you. It's an expensive stock. I know. Own it. Don't trade it. I know all the bullshit that's out there. But the reality is this stock goes down as well. 
Yeah, well, I think there's two gaps, one on earnings and one on the China news. And, and again, though, that's the two pillars of the bear case is that ultimately, you know, that their growth is going to slow. And then ultimately a growth area like China um, has the potential to really do some damage on them. And, and then the reshoring, you know, this is going to be the first iPhone ever shipped on launch day from India. And, and those expenses are a lot reorienting away from a mm-hmm. supply chain they've spent 20 years building and a consumer that they've really relied on to gobble up their phones. And I think it's important to note that they're only number four in market share in smartphones in China, although they've had tremendous growth. They've doubled their market share, you know, from like 10 to 20 percent or so as far as the revenues have, have doubled over the last few years or so um, from a growth rate perspective. So it has been growing pretty good. But this could be um, the shot across the bow that you, you know, listen. And Mel said it last night. And we've talked about it. That So that's government workers. However many there are. I don't know. Whatever number is 40 million. What, it, whatever. But if they were then to say, you know, shadow ban it from the government for yep. all Chinese citizens, I mean, you're right, they're fourth, but that's still a tremendous number. And if that were to happen, you don't think that's devastating or catastrophic for the stock? I mean, think again. And if China wants to start moving these levers, they can absolutely do that to a certain extent with impunity, because who's going to push back on them? Are we going to push back on them? We've sent four people out there now over the last year or so. Janet Yellen, um, Kerry. Gina Raimondo and and uh, and what's his name? Uh, Blinken. You yep. think that's worked? I mean, yeah, each person has come back and said things are getting better. Each time when they come back, China does something else to sort of escalate the rhetoric. It's it's not getting any better. And I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. You just got to pay attention here. Yeah, no doubt about it. The cheapest thing you can do, guys, you like pay to attention. Say, All right, let's let's do this thing. Let's bring Carter Braxton worth of worth charting in here. Carter, thank you for being patient. My main man. How are you? How are you? Good rounders. What a movie, huh? And Great cast, movie. I mean, Great movie. Matt Damon, but it was Ed Norton and Malkovich. And I, I, my favorite, because that guy, John Tortor, who played yeah. Joey Nish, right? He was like the voice of reason. <laughs> he was always telling me, it's not about how much you win, it's how much you take home at the end. of. But uh, the best part, of course, he was in trouble, Matt Damon, right? And he was in real trouble. And he's asking for money. And he was like, what's two grand going to buy you a day? No, I'm not <laughs> yeah. giving it to you. I'm going to waste it if I give it to you. See, <laughs> Carter knows the movie. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, Carter knows the movie here. Carter, what, 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 you know, putting all the funny mentals aside in the Apple, and maybe these guys could bring the chart back up. And, and I remember into the print uh, a month and a half ago, you were short of this thing. You thought that it did have the potential for um, a breakdown after such a steady 45 degree angle that increased, that gained, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars in market, over a trillion dollars from those lows, right? So now you have two bad breaks here man like what what is your take on on this thing right here yeah i mean uh, if you just as described uh, by you just now a, a, an unrelenting impressive increasingly um not necessarily steep because the rate of ascent didn't change but increasingly um complacent ascent right where almost no dips drawdowns and then a break the key here and it's the only thing that matters is to not look at as Apple. You have to suspend what you know about Apple, about the Apple phone in your pocket, the thing on your wrist. If it were just a chart, one could say, but I can't, it's Apple. But that's what's key. Forgetting you were just, you didn't know if there's a small cap stock, a, a mid cap utility, and you saw that kind of price action. Then what could one say other than a pretty incredible run up where something has come along 
that now calls into question that move. That's what a drop in gap is. It's almost always news related. And then you get the second. And one would say, I've got to go and buy this here without knowing anything. If you didn't, it's the thing that makes you want to buy it or anyone. Oh, it's Apple. Apple always comes back. I've got to do it. But if it just is a chart, there's no premise, no thesis to buy something that has just had an ascent like that, a first shoe to drop, a second shoe to drop, and if one didn't know what they were, one would never step in. One can excuse it. Oh, China's not going to get that bad. Oh, this will be. Don't excuse it. It's a problem. It's a broken chart. Yeah. All right. Let, let's do this because I think this is a good segue here because we know that Apple is obviously the largest equity on the planet here. And it's a huge percentage of the S&P 500. You had a great note out on worthcharting.com uh, yesterday. And, and first it was just basically no lines, no annotations. You were, you were putting out, um, you were putting out, you know, this, 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 um, I, I guess you've done this poll now for 17 years. I know mm-hmm. I participated in it for a very, very long time. It's a choose your own adventure. Describe to us a little bit about why you do this and some of the things that you've taken away from it over the years, because you have all sorts of investors participate, largely big ones, right? A lot of your your institutional clients, um, and that was the predominantly one, but I'm sure now because you have, you know, worthcharting.com, you're getting a lot of other participants who are equally smart as some of the pros here. Um, But now you have some some new participants in in this poll. Right. So uh, just over the years, obviously, I would say uh, every single mutual fund company that you can think of, every long, short hedge fund player, every family office, endowment, a pension plan has participated in some level, meaning whether it's a desk analyst or a CIO or an economist or a PM or an analyst. Um, and, and that continues to be the case. We have participations, participation from around the world and from all types. Um, but just a couple of things about it. There, Wall Street has a convention of called price target. What's your price target? What's one price target for the market at the end of the year? Now, that's absurd, right? It's absurd. It's where the market closed at 4 p.m. in the last trading day of the year is absurd. It's also too far to know. Who in the heck knows where we'll be? Now, what's important, though, is once you've gone a certain way, right? Now, you're. it's like betting on a horse race when you're entering the final turn or in a baseball game in the eighth inning. Now it gets interesting because you can either extrapolate what's going on, that horse that's leading is going to win, or we know what happens in those final lengths, things, they're upsets. And so when the end is in sight, right, no one can give you a price target for the market a year out or a stock. It's absurd. But once you're within shooting distance, and we do this every after Labor Day, first week or second week, it's choose your own adventure. And it's not so much where the market ends, which is important, but the path traveled. That's the, that's the part where is it now a seasonal weakness in September and more in October and then we ricochet or do we have no seasonal weakness and we just rip all the way into year end? Or do we and, and we'll look at the scenarios or are we really strong and then we have a Christmas dip because people take profits anticipating recession. And so and we'll toggle through these quickly. This is the chart. They're weekly bars. It's presented every year at this time. And then we add scenarios and we've done five. So let's look at this one and do the second. If we just, I'm going to let's toggle first, second. So that's the market as it is. That's one scenario. I'm going to toggle quickly. Take it off, put it back, put it on, put it. So that's the market. And that's one scenario. Guess what? A lot of people pick this. This is essentially, we don't have a lot of trouble, maybe a little dip in October. We make it to the end of the year, almost back to the high. And you can see there, that would be a 26.6% return for the year, dividends included. The second scenario is this, very similar. Let's look at number one and number two. 
So what's the difference? This one, the one preceding, let's toggle. The one preceding, number one and number two. Yeah, that one, that one. That was good. perfect. So what's the difference between these two if we toggle? Well, the difference is that this one has a dip actually in December. So we're strong now. We almost make it to the highs. And then people are like, wait a minute, 2024, and then you get profit-taking in December. A lot of people say that's not possible. You always get a rally in December. You don't always get a rally. This was also popular. The next one is the yawn scenario. We kind of just grind, neither improving nor deteriorating into year end. Uh, the third and uh, the fourth and fifth, this is real weakness coming up here uh, the rest of September, October, and then a year end rally that gets us back. And the final is that. So for fun, let's go to the top, start with the S&P and then uh, up from with no lines and let's do one, two, three, four, five. And so if you look at the S&P as it stands, one, two, three, four, five. Now, is that the last one, of course. Um, are there are those the only scenarios? No, that's what my eye sees. There could be 50, not five. But the point is, this is a way of, 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 of teasing out people's thinking as we get to the home stretch. And um, I would tell you this, the, the votes coming back at about 400 so far are almost equally dispersed. Uh, there are a lot of people uh, that have voted for two, um, and a lot of people have voted or four. Uh, not that many have voted for this worst case scenario. Guy, what do you think here, bud? Carter's going to take us through his charts. We don't want to skew the results too much, but he brought a bunch of S&P 500 charts. What are you voting here on, on, on your choose your own adventure? Well, I got to stay consistent. So it would be Odyssey number five without question. But, you know, you look through, I mean, you look at the charts and you can make a pretty compelling case for each one. But, you know, through my lens and I look at what's going on here and for me, Odyssey number five makes the most sense, given all the things we've been talking about and given the setup. And with 16 weeks, I guess that's what's left in the year. You really I, I just don't know where the good news is going to come from to get us to accelerate higher from here, Dan. Yeah. Well, right, Carter, walk us through the S&P um, 500 charts, uh, the futures here. Sure, the futures. Yeah. I mean, look, there's so many drawn the lines. Of course, the lines are judgments, just as people come to uh, fundamental judgments. But let's draw the lines. This is. Um, just going back to the March low, there are no lines. This is one way to put the lines in. So let's do it. Take it away, put it back, take it away, put it back. Let's do the next one. There's another way. There's another way. Broken trend, there's another way. So let's put them with arrows, which I think is ultimately. So I think this standoff here is very minor formation. We're going to get resolved to the downside. Let's leave that arrow and put the next iteration. Now, we're not near that uptrend line. But that's what I think is coming. Let's do the next one. If you draw the trend line this way, right, we broke trend, we rallied back to it, and then we hit our head. Um, next iteration would be, of course, uh, the head and shoulders that is so well observed and a, a bit defective at this point, but still in play. And put them all together, or many of them together, and we have this. Um, look, a lot of people are calling for new highs. That's one of the scenarios offered in Choose Your Own Adventure. My hunch is otherwise. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you said you've seen a pretty um, even distribution across all those channels. Because when I look at your your charting here, I see a head and shoulders. I see a break of a long term uptrend. I see a little you know pennant forming that looks like it wants to break. I see a lot of technical stuff that doesn't look particularly great in the S and P um, five hundred futures. Well, listen, Carter, we really appreciate you coming here, taking the time, uh, laying out your choose your own adventure. I hope when we get all the results in, we can kind of get a better read on on yeah. how many folks voted for what. So we appreciate you joining us today. Thanks. All right. Bye. I love Carter Worth. I mean, the fact that he can rattle off all that 
stuff from rounders is just it doesn't surprise me by the way so anyway no no it doesn't so guys when we think about the things that could cause a break lower and this is what yeah. we're gonna spend the rest of the show talking about a little bit um you know it, it's it's kind of interesting right so we have this fed meeting next week the cme fed watch tool is pricing in less than an eight percent probability of a 25 basis point hike we spoke or you spoke with liz young on on the tape podcast um sunday night that dropped yesterday um she was saying that you know like listen you know the could the Fed surprise people here? Maybe they don't surprise at next week's meeting, but maybe they hint to one more rate increase or so. I think you, you're you on the record saying you don't think that's going to do a whole heck of a lot. But surprises when it comes to Fed policy definitely have the ability to kind of move equity markets one way or another. Um, when we're looking at yields, let's throw up this 10-year chart, okay? So we see the resistance. We see the kind of, you know, the pattern forming here um, at this four and a quarter-ish sort of level in the 10-year yield. You see that nice uptrend that's also kind of been in place here would a breakout in your opinion of the 10-year yield would it cause some volatility in the equity market maybe lead yes. to some of those arrows that carter's mapping out there so so the binary just the short answer is yes it would the higher yields here they're not a good thing you know 10-year yields going well historically yields going higher suggests the economy's getting better we're re-accelerating in the economy things are looking up 10-year yields now are going higher because invest Investors need to be paid more to take the risks associated with owning bonds. One, supply-demand stuff. And two, there's this reacceleration of inflation. We'll talk about energy in a second, but it's clear to see. I think CPI is going to start to turn the other way. It's been trending lower now for 15 or so months. Thank God. But I think the easy part is now over. I think we're going to start to see it higher. And whether or not the Fed does anything at their meeting, I don't even know if it matters. If they were to hike by 25 basis points, and to your point, I think there's like a 6.8% chance, according to the CME watch tool, that they will do that. But if they were to do that, that would spook the market because I think the, the narrative would be, hey, this is still a problem. I don't think they're going to do anything. I think the, the language is going to pretty much stay the same. But you know, the die has been cast in terms of what they've done and just follow the bond market. Yields are going higher. And I think that's going to be problematic. You've been positive about oil too here, and, and the price of it, and this spike here, and we, here we have oil futures getting near, um, you know, that ninety dollar level. So you know, obviously, talk about OPEC oil data showing three million barrel shortfall on Saudi uh, supply squeeze. We talked a little bit about those supply um, cuts uh, a couple weeks ago here. I mean, this is one of the things that obviously have the potential, um, you know, to, to kind of keep rates higher for longer. And then on the flip side of it is obviously, you know, what's going on with the U.S. dollar here. I mean, it's been a very steady rise since falling off the bottom of the chart just a couple months ago here. And we're approaching, you know, a technical level at this kind of 105 level. That was the high from May, June or so. So, and then on the on the opposite side of that guy is is gold, you know, and so gold is is kind of tracking, you know, this downtrend from those May highs here, a series of lower highs. It has not made a new low. If you if it's interesting, you know, that July low. So when we got back down and we had that sell off um, in the summer in August, wasn't a new low in in in, in uh, gold. It looks like this thing is also the tension is building in the gold futures, and it, we could have drawn an up trend from last fall and you would have seen a little bit of a flag or a pennant formation forming there in the gold if they want to bring that one up here really quickly so let's just talk about these things in order i mean that's gold gold's been hanging in there but let's go back to the dollar right now so it's interesting the ecb has a huge problem right the ecb has been raising rates and they've been raising rates in the 
face of an economy that's clearly been deteriorating. But the reason they've been raising rates is because inflation is such a big problem. It appears as though they're going to stop that. If they were to stop that, that would be dollar bullish. There have been scenarios, by the way, where not only the U.S. dollar rallies, but commodities, underlying commodities rally. Now, I understand a stronger dollar is a headwind. It doesn't mean it's going to stop commodities entirely. So there's the scenario here where rates go higher, the dollar goes higher, which we're seeing both of those things, and commodities go higher, specifically crude oil. And I think that's what we're looking at right now. Now, I'm hard-pressed, in my opinion, to understand how in any way, shape, or form that's bullish for the economy and or the equity market. But there are people out there that say that it is. But if those three things were to happen, if the dollar were to continue to go higher here, if rates were to continue to go higher here, that's going to be a problem for the equity market at some point. And then quite frankly, I think the Fed understands that, but I think they're hard-pressed to combat it at this point. Yeah, no, it feels that way. Um, and and hey, before we get out of here, guy, we got to bring up this um, CME battle of the bonds. I love been, this battle um, of the bonds. It's actually been a, a, a ton of fun here. We, we got a lot of stuff going on. And oh, there's my, there's my, and I'm down, guy. I've been trading a little bit here. I've been trading the ten year um, treasuries. I've been buying. I've been buying treasuries, making the opposite bet. I think that you've been making. Um, so I think yields probably fail here. Okay, you're on the other side of this this is what um this looks like on the futures challenge uh, leaderboard here i'm not doing so great here guy but i'm gonna i'm gonna try to dig my way out of this hole a little bit but it's actually a really cool look at look at all this tons of educational stuff here there's tons of stuff to rip through this um these are all the products that you can trade here you can just scroll across it the two-year note you know uh the uh, treasury note the five-year uh the 10-year there's also the ultras here you can do um you know calculators as far as implying you know, are figuring out how much margin you need to trade this. So this has been a lot of fun. Danny's been pretty active in doing it. You've been doing it here, guys. So you can see all the trades that you've done um, and you can look at the leaderboard and you can see who else is up there. So a lot of fun. So let's keep talking about it this week. Let's keep trading these things and let's participate in this. So, um, you know, guy thoughts here as we take this thing out here. I mean, again, Carter's charting, the S&P futures lower. You think they go lower. I also think they go lower. But the flip side of this, what we started out in, in a day where Oracle is down 12%, the NASDAQ 100 futures act okay here. And that chart looks very different to me than the S&P 500 futures. Look, while we've been on, I mean, the 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 S&P's probably rallied 15 or so handles, only down a couple now on the day. I'm not really sure what happened because I've been chatting with you. I'm sure, it was, I'm sure it was something earth shattering. But in terms of CME real quick, it's a free education, right? Just sign up and do it, and you get a free education on how to trade futures. It's invaluable, I think, and we've enjoyed it. And I know the people that have signed up have enjoyed it, and I'm sure CME will do another something like this, uh, maybe hopefully again this year, but obviously next year. So we'll stay on top of that. But again, it's a great way to sort of understand how the market trades and sort of structure and stuff. And in terms of the market, stay tuned, people. The CPI number is going to be important. And again, pay attention to what's going on Obviously, with China, the rhetoric out of China and with what's going on with dollar yen, because you saw that jawboning that we thought you would see in terms of trying to support the yen. We'll see how long that lasts. I don't think it'll last that long, Dan. All right, man. Well, we did it today. Thank you. Thank you to Carter Braxtonworth of Worth Charting. Thanks to our fine sponsor, the CME Group, where risk meets opportunity. And of course, FactSet, financial data and analytics powered 
by tomorrow, Guy. You're powered uh, a bit today by the CME Battle of the Bonds. This is kind of fun. So let's keep trading these things up this week, and we'll keep updating it on the market call. Thanks so much for being here, everybody, uh, and see you tomorrow. 